Welcome back to the Harmonica Brothers Variety Show. Uh, big news! <laughs> what? Oh, Falcon Winter Soldier came out, right? It did. It did. But, um, yeah. Justice March is filled League. with some great movies. Justice League. Oh, my gosh. Guys. I'm still... I, we, I, we talked about it in the pre-show. I love it. It was so good. I thought it was awesome. I, uh, I I do not love it as as much as I think uh, you did, um, but but that's just more because of certain elements in like the visual aesthetic and the writing sometimes uh, the dialogue. But uh, we, we'll get into that as as we go. Kaim is looking at me like I'm insane. We are not going to be talking about the Falcon and the War Soldier quite yet. Uh, well, yeah, no, no, we're yeah. Well, you, I'm anybody wondering if you already saw it. How are you making time to see these things and still be awake? I work from home. Oh, good point. So, my here's my thing. My thing is with. I thought it was exactly what I was expecting, and then some. You know, I I did have expectations. I'm not gonna lie that it would be. I was honestly as much as I wanted it to be good in my heart of hearts. I thought it was gonna suck. I thought it was gonna be everything that we were afraid it was gonna be, and then Zack Snyder's what is likely his final film in D's with DC or at least the, the justice league like roster was going to suck. I was really afraid it was going to be too dark that it was going to be just not like, not like totally consistent, but like just not at all what we were expecting, what we were hoping it would be. And it wasn't, maybe that's why I sort of love it so much or I really enjoy it. But you know what? Uh, just, I, I came out satisfied. It was long. I don't think I'm not, I have any illusions about that, but that's my quick and dirty review. In terms of my expectations for it, I, I would say it, it pretty much met the expectations for good and for bad. Um, I, I, I thought it was going to be an improvement over the theatrical cut, which it absolutely was. I mean, Steppenwolf's design alone uh, was light years better than the theatrical cut. I yeah. actually didn't, remember how much I disliked how he looks in the theatrical cut until I went and watched the clip uh, after watching uh, the, the Snyder cut. I was like, yeah, wow, <laughs> this, this is a massive improvement. Um, but well, then you, they, they, yeah. I, I was just going to say, they essentially went from a cool alien version, like alien redesign. Like, I'm not going to lie. The Whedon cut Steppenwolf looks like he does in the comics much more. He's good. Yeah. He's a he's a bearded white guy with that with a horned helmet, but he looks like 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 Viking Thanos in yeah, the weeding cut. That. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. really like pop on the screen. He doesn't necessarily have the presence of like the, the kind of the main antagonist of the movie, which which he definitely does in in the Snyder cut. And of course, seeing Darkseid uh, was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but. As I said, uh, you know, when we when the podcast first started, um, there were times where I kind of rolled my eyes at like certain certain things that were said. Um, one example that that I kind of made a note of to myself uh, when Steppenwolf first attacks the Amazons, and and he says something about "I will show you fear" or something, and then the Amazon Queen says, "Show them your fear," and then they all say, "We have no fear," and I was just like, Ugh. um. Just, just certain things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. There's I, a know. little, yeah. There, I, I, I'll agree. I found a, a touch of 
tonal inconsistency with the multiple different versions of the Amazons we've seen now. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I thought that the whole Amazon thing, I thought like the length they added to it was good, but they added too much. Like the sort of the grand falling down of the, the thing in the, this like temple into the water. I don't believe that was in the weed and cut. And I don't know. I if like it, that. it was cool. Yeah. But I don't know if it added anything, but like, you know, it, uh, it added. and did you uh, feel really emotionally invested in his assault on the, uh, uh, on the Amazon stronghold? I just no. didn't really know. And I was kind of disappointed by that. Say, however, by the time he like got to that Russian town and they got rid of that whole like side arc with the Russian family being rescued by the flash. So oh, yeah. good that they got rid of it. Like they need it because of the radiation. Perfect. And it's abandoned. So they're not going to get on anyone's nerves about it being like fucking, you know, a populated area, which is sort of something they did as they sort of kept with because of the fan backlash from Man of Steel and Batman v Superman or Batman v Superman to a lesser extent. But I, I thought I was emotionally invested in, in Steppenwolf's like journey. By the halfway point, I was invested. Um, and I guess that was yeah. essentially when you started learning more about you know his motivations so that makes yeah sense. like you still owe you owe dark side 50,000 more worlds and he just wants to go home homeboy just wants to go home that's totally fine i didn't i don't know what if i if i liked it but i definitely didn't hate it um it was it was nice being caught off guard for a change in a superhero movie like there were moments where i was like oh crap that happened so in terms of expectations it was i think i i was trying to be as realistic as possible going in but i was just like oh this is definitely not a kids movie so um because like there's literally like aliens and things being impaled and stuff and like well, bloodied look, look, friggin blades all over the place look, look at Stephen's fate i mean he essentially gets beheaded by wonder woman at the end yeah yeah and that's that's what that's why i agree with uh, sam's point on tonal inconsistencies is because you have a moment like where Wonder Woman's doing that, uh, that, and you're just like, oh wow, this definitely is not. You don't take your eight-year-old to see this movie, but at the same time, there's that trite and campy moments where you know it's just like the no fear uh, yell, and then at the end where they do that that panning where all of them are just standing on the edge, looking over yeah. at the sunset. It was, you know what, you know what actually tainted my viewing of this movie. Which I saw all in one sitting, by the way. But what tainted my viewing of this was actually the boys, because the way they do the the scenes where they're shooting the movie of the seven, it kind of looks. It made the Snyder. It made it look like the Snyder cut would, and it looked like it was directed by Scott Snyder. So that definitely tainted it for me a little bit. But it made me laugh that they made it so Hollywood. Wait, sorry, who's like, that? damn, the boys nailed it. You mean Zack Snyder? What did I say? Scott Snyder. Did I say Scott Snyder? You did. I'm sorry. Those names all sound the same to me. Another phenomenal Batman run, though. Uh, I think that, like, yeah. you're right. Like, the tonal inconsistencies were not tone. It's not internally tonally inconsistent, which is a good thing. It's inconsistent with, like, the wider universe. That's the point I'm getting at. Like, with Wonder Woman killing him, I thought it was, like, beheading him. I was thought, like, that's my gripe with Wonder Woman 84. In the comics, she just, she, on national TV, she snaps Maxwell Lord's neck. And she didn't do yep. that in the in, in Wonder Woman 84. And it was, like, some greater thing about appreciating what you have. And I'm like, 
like no, you you sort of snapped his neck, right? Uh, I she Naruto. She I don't uh, sure. I, I I don't know. I guess so. Anyone who knows knows <laughs> understands the reference. He yeah. talks as villain. Um, I was going to say, in addition to the total inconsistency, I mean, and we kind of talked about this before um, we started recording the podcast. Uh, the amount of slow motion. Um, there, there, there were certain kind of tied to that as well, especially in the first half. I found a little melodramatic at times. Um, I could have done without the really slow music when uh, the Flash saves Iris. I just that was a bit over the top. The 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 slow motion when you see Cyborg playing football. I didn't really know what they were going for there because um, didn't really. I mean, the next scene was the significant scene in his story that. That playing football really wasn't that well, important. That, so the football, the I'll just say the football scene, it leads to him seeing his mother cheering, but then he's still sad because his dad's chair is empty. I get the scene, but I don't get why it needed to be in slow motion. Yeah. So my it's thing is like, laundry. it is a very backloaded movie, but it's not if you if you like turned up the speed on every slow mo scene to regular to regular pace, then and just maybe extended it by a, a like another five percent. You could have made a just by doing that. Probably you could make like a three, and you could make it into a, a three, two hour, forty five minute movie for theatrical release. Well, like, and it also just seemed like they were trying to make certain moments, at least in the first half, more emotional than they needed to be, which is what I was kind of getting at with that melodramatic point. Like I didn't really know why that scene where he first saved. I mean, I guess because he's just met her, but. I, I don't know. I, I I thought it was it was trying to create something that wasn't wasn't really there. Um, well, like I, I, I once I got once really once we got into cyborg story, and I know we're probably maybe I'm jumping ahead here because that's a whole conversation about how awesome his story was uh, in the Snyder cut. Um, that's when I really started to think, wow, okay, I'm I'm getting into this movie. But remember, Matt, part of uh, cyborg's journey in this film was shifting from the I to we. Yeah. So it shows that that run that he does as a quarterback very few i don't watch the sport so but i know that quarterbacks don't usually go for the goal zone so and the so fact that he's doing it alone without his te teammates is um is part of who he used to be versus uh when he's like accepting help from his teammates in the jla so it's the first time he's actually point. being a fair point or for a bigger purpose in response to the slow-mo thing i gotta say um i think that snyder was the right guy to go to for the slow-mo thing uh i'm not a fan of like 300 and that sort of stuff but for the dc thing this is how godlike these heroes are in the dc universe as compared to the marvel universe they move so quickly that you actually have to slow down. They're literally just blurs to these people. And to show just how much they do, and it kind of ups the whole, um, it ups their power. It shows just how godlike they are. And I think that's because the heroes are bigger, the, the problems are supposed to be bigger, and that's why the movie was bigger. So I will agree that, like, this, like yes, heroes in, in, the, in like, the, the DC universe and in the Justice League, the Justice League heroes, they are more powerful. DC is higher octane than Marvel. You know, you can have Batman taking on 35 guys and I as the viewer and I'm enjoying it, but I'm not worried for Batman, right? Like, like whereas they have to have a moment where 
like Steve, who is like the best, probably arguably the best or second best after Black Panther martial artist in the MCU, has to like devote an extra little scene to fighting Georges St. Pierre, who, as an addendum, I was wrong. He is the first Canadian in the MCU. It's not Simulu. It's Georges St. Pierre, who has Georges Batroc. Um, George, yeah, George, as yeah. Patrick Leeper. Um, but uh, you know, I the higher octane thing is one thing, and like I, I like the slow mo with the Flash is great. I'm happy they got rid of his kind of awkward running scenes because, like, with the with the way his hands move when in the running scenes and the Whedon cut, uh, when he's running makes no sense to me. Just so wild. I sort of I think it's very cool that they sort of brought Barry into like a yogi hippie kind of Flash with like mm. his like centering of himself and hit the way he stretches being very um, like martial arts uh, esque. But uh, I, I agree with Kai, like slow motion aside, like you need to portray in some way that these people are more powerful. Yeah. I mean, I'm not against the slow motion in general. I'm just, I'm just against the amount of it. I mean, even the slow motion when the flash saves, when the flash saves iris it's more the slow music that plays during the scene rather than the slow motion itself that i didn't care for yeah like near the end like all the slow motion in the front half you didn't need all the, the yeah. slow motion in the yeah, back yeah. half was perfect i'll, I'll I, agree with that I'll, I'll agree with that yeah and it was even better that they they really took the time to flesh out and let this and let flesh out characters but also probably like my favorite thing about this movie, Ray Fisher's Victor Stone. We need to start calling him Victor mm -hmm. Stone more. We can't just keep calling him Cyborg. Ray Fisher's Victor Stone, because he wasn't just Cyborg. We got to see Vic. That's something we haven't really gotten to see in live action ever. He's been in live action in two other circumstances, uh, Doom Patrol and on uh, Smallville. And in neither time really does it explore the life of Victor Stone. It only explores him post-accident. You're right. Uh, I may be wrong and, about Doom Patrol. Um, I haven't watched it in a long time since it first came out. I got it. Yeah, it's 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 okay. It's, it's okay. But like my point being, my point being that secondarily to that, the second best part is how well the movie breathes. There are moments of quiet and levity, like when um, uh, when Diane Lane, when Martha Kent goes and sees Lois in her apartment, and they talk and they're drinking coffee and they're sort of having that moment of relaxation. It's great. And then I have no doubt if this had been in the theaters. Right after that moment, I like, oh, it's so nice. He, she comes out and he she turns into the Martian Manhunter. People would have like died if that was in theaters. I'm just. It made no sense though. It, Why would the Martian Manhunter do so that? So you're not on as much internet as I am, but it was a very. Po it's been a very popular fan theory for some time that um, General Swanwick, uh, played by, uh, is um, yeah, General Swanwick, is yes. was Martian Manhunter. It's been a very popular fan theory, and that's why Zack Snyder included it. They filmed all those scenes for this movie because Zack Snyder saw the fan theory and he loved it so much, he decided to include it, to bring it in and make it canon to the film. Um, I thought it was great. And like, I've spoken to people who like came to Justice League, much like I did from the, the Bruce Tim and Paul Dini show, and Martian Manhunter was a core member of the League. He was one of the original seven. Yeah. And yeah. it was, I thought, phenomenal. I, Where the hell was he when they, when Stephen Wolf was like, what was he doing? Where was he? He just shows again, up after the Again, fight. again, 
like health you have that with that that's like some cinema sins argument shit like i healthy yeah, for me it's a healthy suspension of disbelief he thought he he knew they could handle it but now he's like okay i maybe i need to have a role and that's why and that's how they're going to bring in a green lantern movie from hey this. guys just saw you you handle this real big emergency uh just to let you know i'm also here next time somebody rolls up to earth you let you you holler all right well, Good job. Good job facing Stefan I also proud of y'all. I also think the same reason that in the same way that Kai, you just can't stop. You just gotta keep talking. Uh oh, I'm one stuck. Um in the same way that like Steppenwolf comes there because he needs to, you know, he wants to cleanse the world at not just to do that, but because this place is no longer protected. We can take the mother boxes and we can, you know, I'm doing this for you, Master. Like, please take me back. Um, but what this is going to basically do is it very much in the same way what uh, Avengers did for the MCU. It's like, like, or that one line that Thor has, this is letting people know that your earth is ready for a higher form of war. Right. So Steppenwolf yeah. came and then that started the, the, the thing like crypt, like Superman was on the world, but he wasn't like go doing forays out to take on outer worldly threats. Right. He was only fighting things there. And then like, of course, Zod, but I think this is basically going to be like, Oh, the group now the Green Lantern Corps like we haven't had a lantern on Earth ever or from Earth ever. Maybe it's time we do that, and then that's how you start your Green Lantern story, um, with like a Hal or with uh, or you don't you ignore all of that. You say that there was a Hal, and then you like come in with a John Stewart, or you come in with a you know like a like a a three part of um, like buddy comedy. Half of it's John Stewart, twenty five percent is Kyle, twenty five percent is Guy, um, or you fucking do Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz for all I know. Which would be equally cool. Yeah, why, more, why the hell? Like Arab heroes. They need. You know what? They're probably going to do that just for representation. Well, like, yeah, I think it would be a good idea. Make a Green Lantern Corps TV show and use those characters. But like, I think it it really sets a good precedent because it shows that okay, these people can make a good movie if we trust them. And even if this isn't canon to some wider thing, they never pick up what this movie put down. So, have you guys uh, read any prominent or just general? Uh, fan reactions or, or critic reactions and you guys even follow that stuff. I, I don't really care for it I don't really like I don't really let it influence my decision to watch a movie or, or play a game If it's something that I'm looking forward to I kind of just look just to see what what people are saying and um, I, I think I read one or two reviews mainly. I just kind of saw the headlines which there seemed to be a mix of, of, of positive and negative um, which I get, because like I said, I've got, I've, you know, I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to this movie, though there were certainly a lot of cool things. Um, what about you, Sam? Do you uh, see any reviews? Uh, well, like, so I was expecting to look at a few reviews. I follow quite a few, like, just on the social meets, you know, media, when, like, film and nerd and review people, and or people who talk about, like, nerdy stuff, comic book movies, et cetera, just like us, actually, uh, except in shorter form. <laughs> uh, and so I gave my, I knew that going into, I knew a cup, one thing going into it, that it was very backloaded. It was a very, it was dense in the back half or at the end of, from part, like part four, five, six, and then, or sorry, part threes, four, uh, yeah, three, four, five, six, and the epilogue. Um, so when part three rolled around, like in the hour and a half mark, I believe it was, I paused, got a snack, went to the bathroom and I'm scrolling through TikTok and I'm looking at a couple of reviews, spoiler free. There are spoiler free and spoiler re reviews up already everywhere, of course. 
And they all basically say the, the negative reviews are a little annoying to me. Like I understand the negative reviews if you don't like something, but it all came down to the length. Like the length is not something to complain about when we knew going into it that it was going to be a long fucking event. So be, people complaining about the length to me is like, oh, it sucks because it was long. They could have cut all this stuff. Like you weren't paying attention then. This isn't this isn't Zack Snyder's original theatrical vision either. This is him getting every getting to do everything he wants to do. The fact that it was released, and then the fact that it was released in one movie and not in four or six or how, whatever, however many parts it was going to be if they released it like one a week for a month, that also is never got made because they said to Zach, okay, it's going to be one shot, make what you want to make. This, if he got what he wanted on screen, I think it would have looked a lot like this, more like the weeding cut did. But this is not that. And so the length review really doesn't get to me. However, overwhelmingly, I see I'm seeing like any review worth their salt is either positive or it's negative or mixed, but with rare, very good arguments, like for why they didn't. I mean, the, the only comment I really have on the length is that I noticed it. I mean, again, this is a four hour movie. I don't remember the last four hour movie I watched. How many four hour movies are there even? Um, but I, I didn't notice. Game. As I was watching it, um, I did I, I did feel at times that it was kind of long, and I so to me that just says that I didn't enjoy it as something like like as much as let's say Endgame, which was three hours, and that really seemed like no time at all went by. This at times felt a little bit long, but again, that's because I don't think it was a perfect movie. It was weird for me because I did not like I knew it was, I was going to be sitting there for four hours, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't the movie that dragged on for me. It was just certain scenes. I was totally yeah. okay with watching a long movie. Um, it was it was just that certain scenes kind of dragged, and I think that I was actually very excited to see a long form, fully fleshed out story. Mm -hmm. And I love bonus material and stuff, so that was probably just part of it for me. I will say the the last two hours actually did go by quick, pretty quick. It was the first two hours that that kind of felt like they direct. Like I'll I when I was watching it, and I'm thinking back on it now, and I have my the notes I wrote, and I wrote two things: shorten some scenes, and the scenes I'm thinking of, or one thing, shorten some scenes, and the two scenes I am thinking of is just the whole like Amazon scene, the mascara scene, like the fight, the lead up to like. Uh, Steppenwolf's arrival, the fight inside of this like vault area, all good. But like the chase scene after that was too long. And then like when they're back on the Kent farm and they're in the house and Clark's getting dressed and it like slowly, slowly, slowly zooms out or tracks backward, I should say, it doesn't zoom out. Uh, and he, you, and then it's like just looking at like the swing. And I'm like, Expecting yeah. like the way they were setting that up, I was expecting like a flashback to him as a child, like jumping in the swing, and then there's a moment with Kevin Costner, but like nothing like that came along. They just showed a swing for, and the scene was like that, like whole like backing up. I don't know the cinemat cinematography, like gloss nomenclature, like that zoom out, that backup is was so long, and I'm like, you didn't need that, and you didn't need every fourth or fifth cut to be a slow mo scene in the. Amazon fight the fight the the fights like in the back half once again 
like the fight with Superman, the fight with the parademons, every fight with the parademons. First of all, thank God DC now has like some some faceless minions to mow down. Took mm -hmm. took them long enough. Uh, after Man of Steel with no minions, and same with uh, Dawn of Justice. Uh, so now uh, I'm I don't know I I'm sort of happy with what the result was, but they made. It would, these are all Zack Snyder's, not mistakes, but this is what I think a Zack Snyder movie is, you know? I'm definitely, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm on the side that's very glad that it was made because there was a lot to like about it, but I'm not, partic I'm not particularly upset that, you know, the storyline isn't, isn't necessarily going on because it is a very dark take on these characters and even just the, the, the aesthetic, the colors of it, very dark. Um, Desaturated. Yeah. That's the Snyder thing. Yeah, and and so you know, in, in, in those ways, I I I wouldn't mind seeing seeing you know them go forward with a, a different kind of take on these characters. Speaking of col less colors, what did you think about the black suit Superman? I mean, I, I like it in the in the fact that it's more like it's you know it's from the comics, but I, I didn't really care one way or the other that much whether he had it or not. I think that knowing that it was a black suit they filmed and then that the suit got recolored in post to be colorful. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was a colorful suit and then they went back in post and turned it black and, and, oh. and turned it into the black oh. suit. Oh, interesting. I don't, well, I don't know. In, I, in, I'm not sure. in either case, I thought the black suit was kind of cool with, with the added benefit of getting rid of the mullet. Uh, Absolutely. But the, the black suit is kind of just an homage because yeah. Uh, to because like the black suit is better, it's more help. Maybe that's why he kicked it because it he can be more powerful in it because it's good for healing him and he, gets, he takes in more like uh, what yellow sun radiation. That's that was the justification in the comic, I, if, as I recall correctly. If yeah. I recall correctly, but the yeah, why uh, the does black suit was why does he choose to wear it in the movie? In uh, I, even say I don't, it? I know because he, he there is the red, the blue suit, the blue and red is there. I think it was. You know, he just maybe it, I think it was just, you could argue it was just I'm I'm gonna wear the black, and I think at the, by the end that he's still wearing the black and white suit is sort of maybe symbolic yeah. of like if you look at the uh, the 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 um the Superman flag that was hanging from the, from uh, the the London Bridge, uh, and that was like black, white a white S on a black field. I don't know. There's there could be some symbolism behind, like the Superman who died is still dead. I'm a new hero kind of mm -hmm. thing. And if they made another Superman movie, whoever was in charge, I think if Zack Snyder got one thing, he'd probably ask that they make it with him in the black and white suit. Like it's not classic Superman, but like if you want to have, you can maybe show some semblance of continuity between two properties, and. I do. I am a little annoyed that they got rid of the the race between the two of them at the very end. That would have been a, a kind of a nice thing to keep in, because um, it's just sort of a classic moment in like comic book history. Right. Um, but no. But there's no weird upper lip scenes, so you know, pretty pretty good trade off. But you know what? Then one thing that <clears throat> you bring up the the race scene, which is perfect example of. While I was watching the movie, there were scenes that I liked in the theatrical release that were nowhere to be found. And I was just like, whoa, that really shifts the tone of the movie. And the two examples that I can think of are when um, when 
Bruce calls in Alfred and he says, bring in the big guns. And Alfred brings Lois, not just Lois happens to wander back to the, to the Superman monument. That scene kind of caught me off guard or just changed, shifted the, the tone a little bit. Um, and the other one was uh, Aquaman with a lasso on him. And it it kind of it kind of shifted the the teaminess of the movie like how the team functions the team dynamics but like and i was just like oh that must have been a whedon thing that must have been a whedon reshoot you know well, and it I was sounds like, like because it doesn't fit with the tone of of the rest of the movie of well this movie exactly so i was i was that, that those scenes i was very um it was very interesting to see which scenes that we didn't get uh, and which ones are rewrites. Some of them were probably just bridges between two edited chunks that they had to reshoot. I mean, mm. maybe that's what all reshoots are. Well, I, I can, I'm going to respond to both of those scenes. Um, with the, you know, the Aquaman and the lasso scene, I could take or leave that. I think it, you know, it adds some, it, that's not levity. That's downright comedy that you're adding. Mm. And this is not that movie. And there are moments of humor and levity with and it's all, a lot of it is centered around Barry. Um, and Ezra Miller is the perfect meat and like vehicle for that. Their uh, just diction and the way that they approach the role is really, really good. Um, and I like Ezra Miller's flash uh, for those reasons. But the, so that, that, uh, you know, the lasso argument is, you know, persona non grata for me, but the, the whole, like bringing the big guns thing, I thought that was very odd. So it assumes that not only does Batman or Bruce Wayne have some sort of pre-existing relationship, but it's enough that she trusts his butler, right? I think what the movie does great, the, the Snyder cut does great, is it establishes that, oh, she does this like every day. She gets her coffee. Yeah. And importantly, this is something, the guy that plays the cop, was the Jimmy Olsen from the 80 Superman films from Superman three and really? Supergirl. Yep. Wow, Mark, Mark McClure. He played Jimmy Olsen. He was, he also had a, 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 a guest star, a guest spot in an episode of Smallville where he played a Kryptonian who has blue, has, wears like a blue kryptonite watch. So he doesn't use his powers and he was able to raise a family and stuff. Um, so there's that. I, I thought I recognized him and I was like, Oh yeah. Cause he was the, uh, the second or the third Jimmy Olsen, I believe. Um, from like the George Reeve uh, Adventures of Superman TV show. So, and it establishes that she goes there like every day or almost every day. She grabs her coffee. She gets a coffee for the cop who's on watch to like just watch the area. And she goes and she sits and she stands there. And they they show that a couple times. And mm -hmm. as she's like, now she's at a point where like the the previous like an, or hours before, um, someone came to her and told her to move on. Of course, it was Martian Manhunter, not Martha Kent, but that doesn't really matter for her, like internal monologue, because no one actually knows it was Martian Manhunter yet. Uh, she's like, I, she's this, the day she decides to give him up and like not give him up, but move on, you know, is also the day he comes back. And I think this is the like sort of that is it's, it's, it's a one two emotional gut punch if you're looking at the that what happens from Lois's perspective. Uh, and I thought how they ended up doing her up seeing this made perfect sense. Of course, the moment he sees her, it, it slowly begins to come back to him and he just grab, he grabs her and flies away. Right. Cause if we, if we, comic book fans know anything, you know, that Superman would never hurt Lois Lane and that's the way to stop him. 
and the fact that it was not planned that Bruce had his gauntlets that could absorb energy, which they explained, uh, which is just so that's a, that's something that like you know what fuck you cinema sins this is how it withstands it right yeah. and the energy blast of Superman's heat vision and it's like Batman couldn't have planned this that's I think the point of it like this is something that we needed but Batman wouldn't go back to Lois after it's his fault that Superman died. Do you think it's weird that Batman was like totally unprepared for what he would do if Superman, if this failed, Superman came back and like started attacking all of them? Does that does this kind of like anti-Batman? I maybe 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 to an extent, but by the by like the midpoint of the movie when they set off from the Batcave to to go to Russia to to fight Steppenwolf, they've established that Bruce has gone through a turn in the movie, in not just by yeah. not just the end of Batman v Superman, mm -hmm. but throughout this movie. He's like taking things on faith and he's being yeah. more optimistic and he's changed. He's yeah. back to being, or he's sort of passed through 20 years of shit and Batman. And now he's come to the other side, hopeful again. And that's what Superman came to earth to do. If you listen to Russell Crowe's monologue, it's sort of, yeah, yeah. which I thought uh, was, well, I thought it was a nice touch also that they included, you know, Russell Crowe and Kevin Costner, them talking, you know, as Superman's walking through the ship and preparing to go, you know, essentially back mm -hmm. in battle after he's come back. I thought that was a nice touch. Just in general, I like that scene. Yeah. So we still have to talk about one thing. What did everyone think of the Batman and Joker scene? I was worried, but it so closely resembled last Batman Last Night on Earth, the yes, Scott Snyder. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. The fact that it was and I think a lot of different canons establishes that whatever their problems on a professional level. Deathstroke knows that he work that working with Batman is ultimately the better option if he's not given another. And that's happened a couple times throughout comic books in like the history of like their relationship. Yeah, and I I follow oh, Joe. Didn't I, Bruce Wayne just fire him to do good. Yeah, well, like I so I follow Joe Manuel on Instagram. I've been a big fan of his since the True Blood days. Uh, you know, he's a big he's a, what he's the reason I got into D and D, uh, which is you know how I've remained such good friends with both of you guys over the years. Uh, and I couldn't understand on his Instagram. I knew he was doing reshoots, but like, why did he shave his head into a mohawk and bleach it? Now I know why, <laughs> right? Because of the end, because of the end. And I think like having Mira carrying around two jugs of water and wielding uh, Arthur's trident and because Superman killed, because Superman killed Aquaman in a scene that was established in like a flash, yep. like of, of memory of, or precognition by cyborg. I feel that whole interaction is the epilogue. And then he wakes up from his dream state where he's seeing the he's having dreams where he's seeing the future. And then Martian Manhunter comes down. And that's like mwah, mwah, it was perfect. Moto bene. Really? Yes. yes. Martian Manhunter okay. was awesome. Okay. And uh I thought it was I thought the epilogue was awesome. That's my two cents. Um yeah, I'll also say that uh Deathstroke's in Deathstroke's interaction with uh Lex Luthor at the end was also uh, really good. And having Luther essentially being a little more Luther-like by saying, oh, the people in oh. Arkham helped him uh, helped him focus. So, you know, I, th I thought that was really cool. I uh, thought the interaction between Batman and the Joker was great, uh, especially seeing the way that uh, the Joker was talking about Batman and his mindset. It was uh, interesting seeing Batman swear there as well, which was kind of weird. Um, I guess we're supposed to think that Joker killed Harley Quinn in this timeline because Batman says that um, 
as she was dying, she asked Batman to kill Joker slowly. So I, I guess that's the fate that befell Harley. I like they brought it back to Robin because I still maintain that if they ever essentially do another live action Robin story, I think it ends up being is going to be Red Hood because having you can have Nightwing there, you can have Red Hood, and then by the very end, you can introduce Tim Drake and then tease like Damien at the very end. Red Hood is the perfect Robin story. Yeah, anyways. yeah, that was another um, good part. I, I can't say I cared that much more for his appearance. I was a little better than it was in Joe Justice. In, sorry, in, in um, Suicide Squad, hmm. it was still kind of odd though. Well, like the just, I think he could be a if you some there's a there is a middle ground between the David Ayer and the Zack Snyder or Jared Leto Joker because that is Suicide Squad is not is a is a David Ayer movie first and a superhero movie a distant mm -hmm. second. So I I didn't have a very much issue with Jared Leto's Joker just because this is the gangster Joker and this is what a modern gangster would look like if he was also the Joker. So that's why I never had a problem with it. I didn't really can you really portray a psychopath like the Joker wrong? I don't I, it'd be very difficult to do that. Um, I guess the problem was that it was played so right by Heath Ledger that now, uh, even if it's not exactly wrong, if they don't quite live up to that, you still feel like that's something missing. I think that that's an that's an example of fan expectations that I think has is fan expectations gone too far in some regard. Yes, I love Ledger's Joker. It was the only reason I bought that DVD and was hoping for tons and tons of uh, extra commentary that I didn't get. Damn it. Um, but I, I, I thought the scene was, was pretty cool. Uh, I just didn't see the place of that scene in this cut. Like it did, it made less sense than it did before to me. And the, the, the way it was it, that, and, and that's, um, it's not the only scene that felt like it was shoehorned in, uh, to a certain degree, but I thought that conversation was a great conversation. I just didn't see its place in the movie in the bigger picture, which is, which kind of goes back to uh, what Sam said about how this movie is more like a tree trunk that's meant to have branches, yeah. whereas Marvel are the other way around. So, um, so yeah, good scene. Over, like, it, I I just didn't see how it fit with the rest of the movie. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was just designed so that we could see this Joker and this Batman interact, and in that in in that sense, it was successful. Um, what I, I don't really know, like we don't know why. Batman was was dragging the Joker around with him in this in this nightmare future. He says you need him. I think it's very much like a in the however many years it's been since the Lois's death and Superman being taken over by the anti-life equation and Darkseid invading Earth. He's basically just Batman like or the surviving members of the league have put together like groups of people to work against the new regime sort of in a very like injustice kind of way. And yeah. you find Joker. Joker is many things, but in every iteration of the character, he's an efficient killer. Mm. Yeah, right? he's a hand-to-hand -hand combatant who can hold. Who is yeah. at this point can, can hold up to Batman. And I think that's. I think it. The epilogue essentially was. It's the opening for a sequel. That's if I can do whatever I want, but I have no under no obligation to to do anything except make it I want to do. I'm also going to do what I wanted to do, which was set up the sequel I was going to make. And I, mm -hmm. I think your point about it being very last night on earth, uh, you know, spot on. And also it made me want to see like a live action kind of light last night on earth where the Batman and Joker have to team up. 
And yeah. it's kind of like an odd couple situation, but like, well, yeah, like there's two things, a couple things I actually wanted to bring up as well. Um, three, well, three things. First of all, we, the green lantern was cool. And I thought the green lantern they used, he kind of looked like a finless Tomari. Yes. Right. Um, and the way he, he was killed and then dark side, like lunges for the go, like grabs for the ring, but it flies off was, was very cool to me. Um, Second thing was, if you look at the wall in the Tomb Diana Explorers under the Temple of the Amazons, there is actually in silhouette uh, Dr. Fate. Really? They, really? They, like his full body. He looks a lot like his like New 52 Earth 2 design, with like the very dark, okay. like midnight, like night sky uh, motif. Uh, the third thing, or third, three or four things, was um, my theory is that that human leader is actually Vandal Savage. Because it was very, it somehow looked like Mongolian, but he was like white. Right. Um, and Vandal Savage has been like established as being Genghis Khan, uh, as being Napoleon and Julius Caesar, um, and all these like terrible people. And so him being the human leader would be a cool way to bring in like a villain who could kind of challenge the League, join this Legion of Doom, or like challenge Superman or the Flash, or you know make like a, say they made like a Tower of Babel kind of movie. The fourth and final thing is Ryan Choi, the Adam, the second dead current Adam, was in the movie as well. That was who that was. Yeah. Nanotechnology guy. Yeah. Oh, fifth thing. One, one more thing. The silence actor is, was the first of two Dr. Hamiltons, Joe Morton, one of the first of two Dr. Hamiltons on Smallville. And Dr. Hamilton is one of the founders of Star Labs. That's why he looked familiar. Yeah. My okay, uh, I'm putting money on the table right now. One dollar says he's going to be the, the new Metron for uh, for Dark Side. You think Silas is going to be the Metron? The well, Victor Victor's father. Yeah, right? Silas. Yeah. yeah, I think he's going to be the new Metron. Well, Metron doesn't work. He gets wrapped for... away into dust. Yeah. What did you think of Luther just dropping? The Bruce bomb like that. I thought that it was a little odd because how he figured out, you know, I, that's the one thing I would bring in. How he figured out, but, but he know, already Luther, in Batman versus Superman, really. Yeah, Luther. Luther is someone who is only just richer than Bruce, and that's only because he'll sell arms to whoever. Bruce Wayne, Wayne Enterprises right. doesn't produce weapons anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I thought that it was interesting, but a little unnecessary unless they're unless they're opening the door for like a Legion of Doom movie. Well, that that could have also been the direction they would have gone because remember Ben Affleck. I I might have read something um, in one of the articles uh, that I came across, but I mean, you know, this was going to lead into a Ben Affleck Batman movie. At one time, so that, wow. that may have been the the initial uh, I, impetus for this kind of scene that they wanted to restore. Well, yeah, I I, I could agree with that because I I've watched a lot of stuff Joe Manganiello was in, and he's he's come a long a really long way from like playing Brad on How I Met Your Mother and playing Flash Thompson and the Sam Raimi Spider Man's. He's come a long way from that. Like he's been in a couple of things quite recently that have really shown off his acting chops. Um, and I could I could buy him as like a a really good villain, but he's like. You bring in like some black mask or some Riddler or some well, Scarecrow as well. Thought, and... Wasn't Deathstroke supposed to be like? The, wasn't the talk that Deathstroke was going to be the villain of the Ben Affleck 
Batman movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But like you bring in like others to sort of pad it out. But I could see Deathstroke as a character who is like the puppeteer of and throughout the movie, Batman is trying to figure out the mystery because they established they or they had said on multiple occasions, if we made a Ben Affleck Batman movie, it would it would showcase him as Batman the detective. And I guess we're getting that in the Matt Reeves Batman with Robert Pattinson. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, I think make that movie then. Establish a multiverse, make another Ben Affleck uh, Batman flick. Yeah, I would agree with that because I, I think Ben Affleck is a great Batman. I, it's, 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 even though I didn't really like Dawn of Justice in general and I have my problems with this film, uh, I, I think Ben Affleck is a great Batman. I, I, I enjoy um, his performance. I agree, and will I will raise you. I think he's an even better Bruce Wayne, uh, to my surprise. And he his Bruce Wayne in this was far more prominent, and and far more fleshed out as as a character. Mm -hmm. He felt a little more whole. Just you know, more. Yeah. It was more. It was a it was a cool take on him as being very disillusioned because for all the Batman we've ever seen on live TV, we've never really gotten the disillusioned 20 years in Batman. And, mm -hmm. and now he ended that sort of the turn from him being, being disillusioned and, and hurting and killing pe like, people as bad as they are back to being Bruce back to being like the Batman we all want, which is the guy who, who will say you don't, kill yeah well here's the thing the father boxes for the father boxes from apocalypse the mother boxes from new genesis but we're back and we're going to talk about fan expectations finally uh after our uh relatively short not really short very long introductory section uh after the we break call it a uh, review a review, you know what? Out of the harmon the HBVS review, OG a review one time hmm, premium. What an interesting term. I think we'll have to use that. Yes. Yeah. Well, <sighs> uh, so first thing I'm gonna say is men my expectations, yes. You know why? Because when I watch a DC film, what do I need? I need secret identities, I need high octane power, and I, I need to see the gods. Because that's what a DC hero is. A DC hero is not, I gotta fight this. Uh, I gotta fight Jean Saint Pierre as, but and I can speak French and I don't use my shield. But then I barely win anyway, or not barely win, but like it, there is a challenge here. No, I need to see Batman fighting thirty-five guys, and I'm not worried, right? I need to see Superman get under an axe from a space, be fine, fucking shatter it. And then, like, be a, a fucking boss-ass bitch, okay? Superman is a bad bitch, okay? And this movie gave me that. It gave me... The Flash is too fast for anyone. He's not like, oh, did you not see that coming? No, he is He is so... He has to try to not go past the speed of light. That's how fast he is, okay? We just saw him travel through time. That's a Flashpoint tease, y'all, Okay? They're teasing. They're bringing in Green Lanterns. They're bringing in uh, Ryan Choi's. Ryan Choi. Oh, you know what? That's a deep cut. Okay. Ryan Choi. Adam. Phenomenal. This is great. This is great. Superman. A, there was Doctor Fate on the wall. Superman is a boss bitch. Yeah. And, really and, and you're absolutely right. This film uh, conveyed that uh, 
very well. So much better than than Batman versus Superman. This was what we were what we were saying before we went started recording again. Like Superman, really, I, I, I wasn't impressed with their with the depiction of Superman and Batman versus Superman. Really, largely because of that fight with Batman, I thought um, they took out the most important element of the fight uh, when it's when it's shown in like Dark Knight Returns, and that's oh. Superman was just in a nuclear blast. Oh, the sun isn't out. That's why he's weaker. And Batman, you know, even in that suit can 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 maybe take a punch. Make God bleed. Hmm. Yeah. He can they, make God bleed. Yeah, he uses you know that 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 kryptonite spray on him. But it just felt like Superman went down a bit too easy. But in Justice League, dude, man, he takes on all of the heroes, and like doesn't even flinch. So yeah, I love that part. That's right. Right after coming, that's why right after waking up, yeah, he gets out of bed and just starts dominating. Good for him. Mm -hmm. I think it's cool as well how they sort of go into like when it comes to DC stuff. There is a lot. Like since their heroes are so powerful, what makes good. Like, even if they don't have powers, you know, there's plenty, especially nowadays, there's plenty of DC heroes who don't have powers. You know, it's not just the Green Arrow family and the, the mm -hmm. Bat family. You know, it's guys like Mr. Terrific. It's guys like um, everyone in the Bat family. I'm not going to, I can't think of anything right now because I'm, I'm thinking about how awesome Mr. Terrific movie would be. But there's a lot of martial artists. A lot of martial artists, a lot of super geniuses, a lot of like, like Ray Palmer, he doesn't have powers. He has a suit, right? He, he's a genius. Yeah. A lot of geniuses. Uh, but because of those sort of levels of power, DC properties, events need a, a coming back to the ground, a back to zero, sort of a reset for the emotions of the audience, but also the, the, the hero. And this movie brought that because I want, and the secret identity is a big part of that, you know, like heroes and superheroes are of course a thing in Marvel, but in Marvel, they're a lot more a part of society like we were talking about this off the podcast. I can't think of anyone who has this, any Marvel hero who not in, in generally MCU comics, cartoons, video games, who actually has a secret identity. Besides Spider Daredevil, like you were saying. Daredevil. I tried. Daredevil. I I forgot Daredevil. Daredevil, Spider Man. Well, he got outed. He got outed. Well, traditionally, I I I'm aware of him as having as Matt Murdock not being known. He's a blind lawyer. He's not Daredevil. Uh, but people know generally that Tony Stark is Iron Man. People know generally that, you know, warm. It's warm. It's it's uh, James Rhodey. I served with him in the in the 101st Airborne Division, or uh, you know, heli or Air Force helicopter pilot. I know that that's James Rhodey. Or and people who's like, oh yeah, I know the Punisher. I you know, I we came up together at West Point, or we shot together in Vietnam, or whatever. But you know, we didn't. We weren't friends. When you have moments of you know Barry Allen going to see his dad in prison, which is a very common theme in pretty much every iteration of the character of Barry Allen, uh, going to see Henry Allen in prison. Billy Crudup is great. I'm happy they took those scenes from the Whedon cut and sort of expanded on them. But the, the one who shined with this was Vic. And it's cool for me because the MCU isn't, you have, the MCU doesn't really have yet to replicate any like core origins right or any origins of characters that aren't like super pre-established and well-known like in dc there is some waxing of origin of character origins uh and with like cyborg as being the chief one because they sort of blended his original origin story 
and his new 52 origin story as being mm -hmm. like healed by the technology of the mother box to bring together all the other alien tech, the Xenotech that was around him at the time. And just sort of generally from there, the Vix origin and sort of showing us how everyone else around him, the other five of them, you know, they may be a little reluctant if you're like Aquaman or a little not so sure of yourself of the, like the Flash, but they're all, all five of them are already superheroes. And it's Vic, it's really Vic's story of becoming a hero. He has to accept that he can't be Victor, he can still be Victor Stone, but he can't be the football playing, you know, college or like university super genius. He has to be the hero. And it's a little, it's like kind of like the death of Victor Stone and like the rise of Cyborg. But I thought it was a sort of a really beautiful story. And that's only possible, I think, because of that, you know, he has that baseline. And that baseline was, disappointingly, his father wasn't around that much, but his mother was, but they worked the same. And his father never made the effort. And then the day his father started making the effort was when, in Vic's mind, he experimented on him. I got to say that, yes, the... The comparison I between I said a lot uh, there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, it's okay. Um, I I gotta agree with you, Sam, that the comparison of origins in Marvel versus um, Marvel versus DC definitely. Uh, I agree with you, Sam, uh, on the secret identity thing. I think until we see how Marvel deals with someone like Kamala Khan on screen, uh, to because she's basically the new Fifty Two version of a Marvel character. In regards to their new, in regards to newness, and people not being familiar with, I don't even know which alien species had the Terrigen mists. I know it's an Inhumans thing. I know there's a cosmic thing that's the, connected to that somehow. The, the Terrigen mists were created by the Kree, or the Inhumans were created by the Kree. Exactly. Um, I don't think that's unless they they introduce her through Captain Marvel somehow. I don't know how they're going to be bringing her in. Um, so it could be an adaptation version of it. I do like the DC adaptations of the, the origins. I think they do a great job with uh, bringing their characters uh, on screen generally. Uh, it's the follow through that kind of kind of bulks it. It's um, definitely Victor's story was the heart of this movie. And I think uh, Snyder put a lot of faith into that, and I think it really pays off because it's for once it's nice to see. And I'm and I'm probably going to offend somebody, but who, nobody really cares about this podcast at the moment because we're brand new. Uh, but I'll say it: I it's really nice to see a soft-spoken black dude uh, who's who's not like who's not yelling out "booyah." And I'm sorry to I'm sorry to Teen Titans go. Uh, Victor, I love I love Teen Titans Go, Victor. I love you, buddy. But um, because I know you personally in my heart, but I gotta say it was very nice to see this this contemplative, introspective guy who's struggling with grieving his old life. And it's nice to see that he's not just curt and surly all the time about it. And he's out there. He helps that mom with the money thing. That was a that was a such a touching moment to see just. The, the amount of power he has and the way he's going to use it. So I really, uh, I definitely thought that was, that was a phenomenal uh, way to explain the importance of the, of the secret identity, which DC does 
terrifically. I think what you said about, you know, moving away from the the bombastic nature of any character, you know, the fact that he is a, a black man, that is a stereotype of them being very loud. And the comparison, I think, is going to be inevitable, so I'm just going to say it. Um, like, it almost reminded me in terms of the depth of Vic, not just in him being softer spoken and coming from, like, I'm thinking of not even Teen Titans Go, I'm thinking of the original Teen Titans show that it's based on, mm. that Teen Titans Go is based on. And like Kari Payton's performance in that made me fall in love with him and I've followed him ever since, um, all the way to Critical Role and back to DC with Aqualad and Young Justice and obviously with uh, The Walking Dead as a, as a King uh, Ezekiel. But with the inevitable comparison, I was really reminded of Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. Ooh. Like well, not great. not because he's not because he's black, not because they're both heroes, mm -hmm. because they're both guys. It is core to their origin that they lose uh, they lose their parents. Like he lost his father in Vixvine long before his father died. Like they both are having to overcome whatever responsibilities they thought they were going to have and become a, a greater hero. And then the fact that they're both black and the fact that they're both sort of tech based and surrounded by people, but ultimately they are the most or one of the most powerful members because of the influence they can bring because of the power they can bring external to like being able to punch someone really far and fly really fast. It really makes Vic's cyborgs story very core to the story of the, the just of this version of the Justice League, and from a wider like DC as a wider DC fan, as a DC baby, as a child of you know the Batman the animated series and the the Deanie and Tim verse of Batman Beyond of Smallville. When I think of DC, I think of the kind of story that really can easily be put onto something else. And the fact that he's a superhero, he's not. This story isn't happening just because he's a superhero. Right. A lot of people mm -hmm. can understand, you know, having an absent father, but even though he's technically there in a legal sense, a lot of people can understand uh, being put into a position of responsibility and you and having the option to not do it. But then you'll have to deal with the ramifications of that. You compare that to like a Marvel hero, some at times even though the powers and the events are a lot more outlandish and high octane in DC, events of Marvel are arguably more, there's more like leaps for me as the viewer to take, right? So they're not gods, they're aliens, right? Oh, so the, the American military is almost always good and we can trust their intelligence forces because they're not doing anything shady at all, right? <laughs> Of course, I believe the American military industrial complex brings in, you know, people to create super soldiers. And it's not until like a movie like Winter Soldier that it establishes that they actually absorbed all the Nazis and Hydra and what have you. And I think and that's in Piperclip, of course, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing at this point. But I think that just generally it adds so much to this movie story by focusing in on the growth of a single person into a, a superhero. So to kind of bring it back to our main topic of like fan expectations, would you list that as, as your top thing you're looking for when it comes to 
you know, DC movies, that kind of relatability, transferability. Really? Yeah. Like I think, yeah, for sure. Like ultimately Batman isn't about a billionaire playboy genius martial artist. It's about a man who hasn't gotten over the death of his parents, but then he spends his life really, maybe he's not fully aware through a lot of the origin stories that he has his father. His father's right there. It's Alfred. Alfred's not his butler. Yeah, he is his butler, but like that's his dad. And I think sort of, you know, being very relatable to that of sort of having the surrogate son, surrogate father relationship as well. It's very cool. In regards to fan expectations, this fan's expectations in regards to the Victor Stone storyline were thoroughly, thoroughly overwhelmed. I was not expecting to have such a connection to this character because I didn't realize how poorly the character was um, represented before. Uh, obviously, Fisher brought the character life on screen. Snyder really gave him a chance and put the spotlight on him and... I think that was definitely, I think it was a, a bad move on DC to, or Warner to, to sort of uh, take that back. So definitely in regards to fan expectations, that is, that is one that was met. And what's that word that when an expectation, you meet it, but it over exceeds it. Yes. That's the word. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Cause a lot of times, at least when it comes to expectations, if people, you know, if, if, if you're told that, this is going to be a really important element of the movie, or this is going to be something that you can really get invested in. A lot of times it turns out to, you know, that, that seems to be an overstatement sometimes. And so my expectation was that this is going to be a letdown in that regard. Like, I think maybe they're selling it too much, but, but no, uh, absolutely. Um, it, it, in relation to Cyborg's character, it, it delivered on everything that was, that was promised. What's an example of it, of a, of a DC, um, property that doesn't meet those expectations of relatability as much as i hate the pains we say it the dark knight the dark knight movies like they are they are they're good but <laughs> let me rephrase it's not that they're unrealistic because the idea of a private military company trying to take taking over a major american city now isn't so outlandish uh as it mm -hmm. was may, may have been before january 6th of 2021 but just the events overall are not relatable because it is not a, I'd actually argue I've come to the conclusion over the, over the years since the Dark Knight Rises came out. It, it's nine years this summer it came out. And it feels so much more recent than that. And maybe that's because we haven't gotten a lot of Batman. We've gotten so much Marvel. But it's not relatable. It's the story of Gotham. It's not the story of Batman. Not really, right? But is that it was about, the problem with that movie or the problem with the whole trilogy overall? Uh, I don't think it's a problem. It's just different. It's not relatable. It is more outlandish in spite of the fact that it is it is much grittier and much more grounded, right? Like, you make something relatable by making it so crazy, but then bringing it back and still portraying something. If you root something down deeper, you show a city that is so morally fucked like Gotham is in the Dark Knight trilogy, it becomes not relatable to an extent, you know, where you have corrupt judges and their corruption and, you know, uh, you know, sort of economic disparity and economic hardship are very common. I'm not saying they're not, but there is something to be said for DC, with DC specifically, 
making their heroes all the way up here at the top of Mount Olympus, but they're still having the same problems, the same sort of conundrums and friend groups that people on the ground are having, can have. Uh, and I think it, uh, you know, I think there's something to be said for that. But then, but then even if it fails to meet expectations in that regard, I mean, they're still generally well received by people, right? I, I will say that the, the Dark Knight Rises is my least favorite of those three movies, um, yeah, yeah. because it 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 does seem seem so um, just unrelatable. Um, but but in those cases, even though it didn't meet those expectations, it did exceed in terms of like performances, right? So oh yeah, what would be what would be an example of of a DC property that really kind of fails expectations just across the board? Gosh, Suicide Squad. Like I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with Kai. It's it like it was. DC has uh, sorry, I keep saying DC when I should say Warner, because I don't think DC really has as much of a of a hand in the pot. I don't know what the metaphor is. I don't even know if this is a metaphor, but doesn't seem like DC has as much influence on these things as Marvel does with with their movies, or or rather Marvel um, Marvel Comics or Marvel Entertainment has on the MCU. Um, but Warner seems to tell a director to make a movie. The movie gets start starts getting made, and then suddenly. Warner comes in and says, whoa, 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 what the hell is this? No, 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 no. And it's it seems as though the the tones of the movie shifts the second people see the trailer and they base the reactions on or they base their, their executive decisions on trailer reactions. Like DC Films is a division that was only just recently created, like mm -hmm. like pri just prior to the release of the Which is insane considering Time Warner AOL owns uh like uh what is it the time corporation owns uh owns warner bro oh, sorry not Warner. yeah owns dc don't they no they don't they, they own uh they own uh dc film they own warner brothers like the film company wb but they don't but like the film rights have been sold but dc comics is a separate like entity is it i thought it i thought they were owned by time warner aol and that's why they keep picking out like that's why they keep picking, um, like just randomly picking out characters and making movies and pro out of their properties. The other thing I think when it comes to just sort of what I ex what I hope and, and expect to see when I'm going into a, a anything DC, right? If I if I go behind me and into my into like a pile of comic books I have on my dresser, and I pulled randomly, it's mostly I have because I own almost only DC comics, and I flip through it. Whatever I see, I'm going to see some crazy shit. I'm going to see some high-octane shit. And that doesn't mean, like, Superman dominating and fighting and not getting beaten and what have you. It means I'm seeing something that only... A problem that only this person could solve. Like, enough of uh, a Black Widow or enough, like, Rumlows or Shield Strike teams could take out George Batroc. You don't need... Batrock, you don't need cap for that, right? You want to do this thing where you need the super high electrical charge so you can activate the mother box and resurrect Superman. You only the Flash can do that. Uh, uh, Firestorm, 
maybe Firestorm could do it. But like, but my point is like you need only he only that person, he she or they can yeah. do that thing. Yeah, that's that that's an be, interesting thing to consider. Right? You know. Aquaman Aquaman works as a hero because he was raised on land, but he can also so he is effective on land, and all of his strength that he would normally have underwater is trant also works on land because he was trained in the in so then, in a, and he can breathe air is it, is, just it, as well is as he it can DC, breathe underwater. Um, right? He doesn't property like, or a DC movie or or a DC um, comic series only um, only does it only fail to meet expectations if like it fails to meet. Like, like, does it only meet expectations if it at least features one of those elements, like relatability, or, or it, you know, there's a problem that only, only they can solve? Is that why the Suicide well, Squad? I think is so crappy because, like, it doesn't meet any of those expectations. I think because, like, DC, just as emotional highs and lows need to be higher and lower, the action and needs the action and vi not violence, but the the stakes need to be higher like with age of ultron it's not the world at risk it's this one country and then the war it's the world is at risk but ultimately only that one country is damaged right um sokovia if you look at a movie like justice league the stakes are just higher it feels like the stakes are higher if this world falls then there's just another world next that's going to get taken over earth is at the center and i agree Marvel. with sam which brings me to one of the other expectations that was really, really uh, uh, not just met, I think it was exceeded, was that the villain in this story, going back to uh, Steppenwolf and, and Darkseid, uh, the villains in this movie were far more fleshed out. And I think that was one of the expectations I did not have of DC movies, really, is that not really expecting them to to provide me with villains I give a crap for, um, or that I that I think are really that. Sorry, I'm, I want to say that again. Um, yeah, I don't really expect much from from DC villains. I yes, the stakes are high, but no, I don't care like, about the villains. Like in general, or I you mean like outside of like in, big ones like Joker and Two Face and stuff? You don't you don't care about. Yeah. Okay, so like if we go through the movies. Keith Ledger's Joker. There are absolutely days where I, uh, where I feel like that chaos mentality makes gives me comfort. Absolutely, uh, being an agent of chaos, that sort of thing. Like there are days when, yeah, that that made that's like a teddy bear to me. It makes me feel better. Um, but Bane did not meet expectations. Um, who else is there? Oh, I see. So you're talking about. You're expecting not to care about the villains in the movies specifically, necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was cool for a bit. Um, okay, like he didn't. The, the the acting was fine. It's just that compared to the books, I didn't really get that screen version mm. of uh, of Zod. I, and well, I I actually. I agree with you because I think I can see when I go back and I, I've rewatched them. I don't oh, yeah. think that's anything to be ashamed of. I rewatched the mm -hmm. um, the '90s Batman films, right from, from or the in the 80, late '80s to to the mid '90s. Yeah. When I yeah. watch um, Batman and Robin, right, and the Bane. one with 
Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy. No, sorry. And yeah, uh, when I watched that movie, I enjoy it. Be and the villains are good, even if cor it's corny and 90s and blah, 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 because I can come away from it really understanding mm -hmm. Victor Freeze's point of view. Yeah. Right? Tell me how it goes and I'll call you in the yeah. morning. That's they how the movie ends with Victor Freeze. And there's a chance, right? Your wife, your wife may be dead, but there's a chance for someone I care about. And I mean, the recently, with the exception of Heath Ledger, and for me personally, uh, like their version of Ra's al Ghul, who is my favorite comic book villain of all time. And it's not at all because he's Arab. Uh <laughs> I I want to have to care about the villain, and I think that's something Marvel. Loki. When Still they have longer. a good villain, they have a good villain, right? You can Loki. Yeah, I was gonna say you can no longer yeah. Zemo, um, Thanos. You right? Even Agatha Harkness, right? Who was killed by her own coven in the in Wanda, or well, attempted to be killed by her own coven in Wanda, before the events villain, of Wanda. Jude Law in from from um, Captain Marvel. Like I'm just saying, yeah, he was—he's probably the lowest in regards to the to the villain ranks. I mean, Stephen Wolf, as far as he compare, like he compares to Ronan the Destroyer, like. But like I, my my point is with with the villains. I think we've talked about villains a lot with Marvel and DC in comparison. I won't talk about them too much. A DC villain, I think, is uh, should be the threat should be greater, but also, with the exception of the Joker. And most of Batman's rogues gallery, probably with the exception of like Two Face and Ra's al Ghul, who's an eco terrorist. I can understand yes. their point of view. They're going about it the wrong way, but I can understand it. Steppenwolf is doing what he's doing because of what he wants. He's not a good person. I'm not, but uh, what he wants is noble, you could argue. He wants to go home and he has to do that by conquering, but he's not, it's going to take him forever to do that. So he tries the shortcut and Darkseid says, and by the end, he's like, okay, try it. And as he or as he makes his appearance, Steppenwolf is losing. And the last look Steppenwolf mm -hmm. has of Darkseid is a look of disappointment. And for me, watching that, I you know I can feel for that moment. That Even is why it's, that know, is why he's a I fucking piece of shit. This cut succeeds, or, or at least at the very least, it exceeds over its predecessor of its theatrical release predecessor. Is that the villain really gets um, the villain really gets a moment? to be a, or take that, let me say that again. Uh, I think this is where this movie succeeds uh, in contrast to its theatrical predecessor is that the villain gets a moment to be not human, Humanized, but a, uh, a feeling being. What about you, Matt? You talk about, you're talking a lot about the films, but well, I, when you... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a, a comic, comic fan, fan, but so I haven't really, I, I don't have the, the depth of knowledge that you guys have because I haven't read as much, but I still like it. No, but my, my, the question I'd like to ask you, Matt, is when you're going into something of DC, is there something you're hoping to see? Maybe you're in comparison, you're comparing it to Marvel or another superhero property. Maybe you're comparing it to the comics. What are you hoping to see if you, you know, I just wanted a story that I could get invested in. And generally for me to get invested in a story, it's kind of like some of the things that you guys have, have brought up. You need to be able to identify with different aspects of, of the story with the characters. Um, and yeah, I, I would argue that 
not not just identified, but but their reactions and and need to be believable and and realistic. And I guess that's one of the reasons I don't really like. I, I like Mr. Freeze's story arc in Batman and Robin, but I don't really like a lot of the other stuff in it because it just seems, I can't really identify with anything that happens in it. It seems very, very, you know, just out there and, and silly. Although, I mean, like, like I said, they, the, the backstory for Mr. Freeze is, is good. And that is a good scene at the end. Um, so it's kind of just what I look for in, in any sort of media, just something that I can um, kind of, identify with some part of but it needs to say something about about the characters and about about real emotion and and real life it needs to reflect something a uh, real it's something i've learned over the years of reading comics it's that when you come out of a really good story unless it's like an origin of a character becoming i'm taking on a mantle like if i think of like the like batman black mirror where like the first the the best dick grayson independent mm -hmm. like dick grayson on his own be as, as batman in that story he becomes batman really he was batman already at the end of battle for the cowl but in that story he becomes Batman. he ascends to the cowl so, but if for the most part if i'm watching a batman story i'm really not expecting him to grow right this is a the the, the zack snyder's justice league subverted my expectations because I wasn't expecting him to be like down in the dumps, but I wasn't See, expecting I, him to be to, generally like, be putting I, things on. I, I expect some like sort of growth. I mean, it's a little harder with and, comics because obviously you don't necessarily expect to see growth over an issue or even a single arc. You might have to read, you know, a whole slew of issues to see growth. But I feel like there needs to be some plan, and at some point in this story, there does need to be growth for me to feel like, you know, that th th that was really a worthwhile story. I don't know. What about you? All in all, I think my expectations hmm. uh, were met for a four-hour movie because I thought that this was a very interesting way to tell this story. And I'm all for new ways of telling stories, even if it's a four-hour-long movie that comes in six parts, which I did like the bookends. like that. It seemed like they were doing little chapters or they were doing issues, but I like that. Um, I didn't mind it. I thought it was a decent movie and a decent way to tell a superhero and I, story. I, I think it, it did something else that that is a big part of my expectations, not simply uh, for DC, and that when you get to the end of a story, and, and while this, this wasn't intended to be the end of the story, it, it probably will serve as the de facto end of this arc. I mean, there is a sense of kind of things in some ways coming kind of kind of fully around like like it came back to a focus on superman even hearing that man of steel theme when he appears in, mm -hmm. in the final battle and is, is is fighting steppenwolf i mean there's a sense of closure even though there there are other ways in, in which yeah. you know there are still loose threads yeah i thought that was awesome you know that's my expectation as uh, well some sick hans zimmer tracks although i and i much prefer the hans zimmer like the junkie xl like weird prayer music or like monk music every time that yeah uh uh you know wonder woman would can't come on screen or become central like i could it, it was a little like tonally like off for me uh but i think that like just sort of just that's those that sick like oh like i i have no doubt like it will say whatever whatever your feelings if you were in the theater if you were in a movie theater 
and like that music begins to grow and then Superman comes in and he's just there underneath the axe. That would have been, I have yeah. no doubt this would, the, yeah, the theater yeah, would have Some very evocative music Not, yeah. is another no doubt in my mind. Um, right? Next thing, second to last thing we should talk about, DC fans generally. Now for me, if I've learned one thing, as if I if I if I'm being self-aware, we are willing to take a lot of punishment. Yeah. <laughs> the Snyder Cut, man, make the Snyder Cut. You know, we're loud, we're angry that they're not making things more, you know, like Superman and Lois is really filling some gaps. So is the Flash as it is coming out now. But like, man, things that have come out recently, which could be better, piss me off. Like Titans, you could have done. You could have done a better job casting. You could have spent tw half as much and made fewer episodes, and it, or as as many episodes. And if you just like taken the time to write, it would have been better. If you focus not on casting, if you focus on like good casting choices and like the good stories, and you know, like and like not fucking bagging yourself down with VFX that end up not looking great. Like you do those things. Uh, I know that DC so fans in general, are you would say DC fans will in, stick with a show or a property that is know. not like, like longer than maybe a fan of of of, of yeah. a Star Wars fan might if things aren't going we, in the direction. We, I could say that because the DC film renaissance came already, and and the TV renaissance already passed. It was the Superman, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, and Michael Keaton as Batman, and then Christopher Nolan. It was the Batman. It was the Tim, the the Bruce Tim and Paul Dini animated stuff, and then it was Young Justice, right? Like DC has been going on so much longer than like Marvel. There's never there wasn't a a, a really big Marvel like movie until Spider Man. Yeah, X Men would be the first X Men would be the first one, right? DC's has been going on. It's been stretched, right? If we probably have the same amount of movies at this point, yeah. there's, but DC has been going on for like 20, 25 years longer. Right? People were talking about Superman in the fifties, right? And it was big news. And it was news when Christopher Reeve became Superman because it was a big deal because George Reeve had killed him. I did. That's the I, I didn't, I didn't know that in the midst of filming Superman. Like my dad remembers watching George Reeves on TV when he was a kid and then going into the theater and hoping and not knowing that it was going to be so awesome to see Superman uh, like on this on the big screen in a way that he hadn't been yet with Christopher Reeves. And then people were dealing with the specter of Christopher Reeves every time something about Superman came about, whether it was Smallville or Superman Returns or even Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, who was 30 years separated from the most recent Superman, from the last Superman movie, or not, or last Christopher Reeves Superman movie, was still being compared to him. Brandon Ruth, even though he was continuing he that story, was compared Christopher to him. Reeves. Uh, and I think that... And he was. He did, and I I'm so happy they did that. They had that scene in that those him they had him come back as that character in yeah, Crisis that on was Infinite really Earths. Cool. The wealth of recent DC movies, I, I even as a fan hasn't been nearly as and, and TV hasn't been nearly as good as the MCU. Like we've talked about it a little bit, and we'll talk about it a little bit now. I guess Falcon Winter Soldier first episode. Neither of you guys have seen it. It was awesome. 
And it was probably better than, with the exception of Superman and Lois, it was probably, that one episode was probably better than like wow. most of oh, yeah. the Arrowverse TV shows. Uh, and that's coming from someone who's never missed an episode of the Arrowverse. We can take that abuse and that punishment and we're going to stick with them because we know that those really good stories are possible so, because it's happened on the an an animation and it's happened on the big screen and it's happened on, on TV screens as well with like, you know, a lot of the majority of Smallville is good. Right. But then you get shows like Gotham and shows like, so, like I mean, I guess DC and fans like, um, and maybe know, even comics fans in general are able to be patient because there's so many different mediums through which they can, get the kind of stories they want. Okay. You didn't like, you know, this particular movie or the direction that the studio might be going in, but there's still going to be really good comics that can kind of speak to your interests. Whereas like with, I mean, Star Trek, especially if you're not, if the TV show isn't kind of meeting your expectations, you really, there's books, there's, there's comics, but they're not even treated as Canon or being as on, on the same level. So you really only have like one major outlet and so it's harder to be patient in those in that kind of circumstance than it is when you can turn and pick up your favorite comic, even if you don't like the movie. That's a very good point, Matt. Um, yeah, I I agree with a lot of what Sam said. Um, we do we do take a lot of abuse, and I and it may seem hypocritical of me to say because I I'm such a Marvel bitch when it comes to the movies, but again, it like I've said before, and I'll say it again, the disappointment of fans does not come from a hatred of the material it comes from a deep-seated love of the material and it's it's that that disappointment comes from wanting yeah. to see those characters really uh shine and we want i think deep down we really want yeah. everybody else to see those characters the way we uh, the way we see them and that's what i think the avengers did so well for the the first avengers did really really well was I was just like, I would tell people, that's how we see the Avengers mm -hmm. when we read the books. Now you guys finally get to see what it's like. So I think DC fans will still continue to gobble this stuff up simply because we love the characters. We're not gonna give up on the characters. I think it's in essence, like I talked, we talked about this on when our, in our last episode with the, the Marvel fan expectations. Where does the, where does the property live now? And where has or where has it always lived or not where has it always lived where does it live now and where does it will where will it probably live for the foreseeable future with star wars it's gonna it was it was only a t a movie only medium until clone wars but still the the the, the wider appeal lived on movies until the mandalorian now it lives on it's good it's not it's living on tv but in a more you know way in that kind of way star trek it's been move there have been movies, mm -hmm. but fundamentally it's a television property. Marvel lives on the MCU, and the MCU for all of these little TV shows is still a movie property. It's still film, right? That's their hundred million plus budgets for every episode, and uh, a VFX and action and really great directors who who may come from TV, but are coming from like. The Walking Dead and Vikings, not from like network dramas and police procedurals. That's what Kari Skogland is doing. She's like comes from some great fucking. She's directed some great fucking TV. She's the the director of the uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier episodes. DC has lived in a lot of different places, but what's always good 
the comics. Consistently, like, there's a lot of hate that's gone on for the New 52 and then for Rebirth. But for me, as someone who came to comics through the New 52, it was perfect. Because there wasn't all this history I had to worry about. It was the history was what was keeping me from reading DC Comics. I, I DC was my favorite, but I still almost almost exclusively with a couple of titles, or rather one-shots, I should say, and events, almost exclusively read like Marvel yeah. Comics. Because it was easy to pick up, right? But with DC, the comics, whatever they do when they get rid of history or what have you, the story, the individual book is always going to be in enjoyable. And I don't get that sense when I read a Marvel book. It's going to be a little more touch and go. Depend, even if it's a, whether it's a, a, a really, really like crunchy, rich hit or a character with a lot of crunchy, rich history that goes back however long since they've been around, like Spider-Man or Wolverine, or if it's something new like Miss Marvel or, um, you know, the, the newer Ultimates or what have you, because it's going to be a little more hit or miss. Like the original Miss Marvel run is phenomenal, but... I haven't read a current Miss Marvel book, but I read one like a couple of re years ago, a, re a more recent run, and it was hackneyed because it was making her a sidekick mm. of some kind. And she was joining the Young Avengers, and I'm like, no, Miss Marvel, like as a character, sung in a certain kind of way in the original. She doesn't sing in the same way, and DC is, has mastered that consistency. Batman, for all of his shit. With the exception of when he when he works with Robin, it's a Batman and Robin story. It's not a Batman story with Robin, right? Batman sings a Batman story sings when he is on his own. A best the best Superman story is when it's him against the world, and his enemy is either more powerful than him and he has to think smart, or the more the likelier option is they're smarter than he is, but they can't take him in a fight. So how are yeah. you going to deal with that problem? Which is something that's cool about the, the Superman character. Which is why he's in. He is a much better oh, character absolutely. than a lot of people give him credit for. So when he, when it lives on its original medium like that, it it really sings, and you're not beholden to what came before. Like with the MCU, you have to acknowledge the events of Thor: The Dark World, even and Iron Man three, even though they weren't great movies. You still have you're still bound to acknowledging them. People were pissed that Christian Bale was in Batman, but fundamentally, Christian Bale wouldn't have been Agreed. nearly as good a Batman as as Batfleck is for this version of yeah. the DC universe. Hard agree. Yeah. 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 I think we've said everything we need <laughs> to say. I, I I talked a lot. I like DC, you guys. If you didn't notice. I think that we can talk this much about the Snyder Cut um, and, and find so much to appreciate, uh, despite its its flaws and inconsistencies. I think it's a success. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I think fundamentally, these this era of film is going to yes, DC is going to have its day. It's going to come. Fuck me, oh, it's not no. soon. It's not anytime soon. It kills I me agree. to say that. But I think I think movies like Wonder Woman and Aquaman are like the the first Wonder Woman are going to 
you know, they're laying the seeds that these movies can be quality. The Suicide Squad comes out this summer. And then it's going to be Shazam coming out. Shazam Fury of the Gods is its full title. And then it's going to be Flash. And then it's going to be Black Adam. The Trench movie, I think, is going to be cool. I think it'll be a good way. That's my hope is they bring in Calderon, Jackson Hyde, the best Aqualad. Fuck you, Gar. No offense, no offense OG Tempest fans. But, you know, yeah. bring in some cool characters like that with these side things. Because Flash, Flashpoint, Flash, Flashpoint movie... You can make that movie. It's gonna be. You can make it so different from the comics and so different from the the CW TV show. No. We didn't even talk about the TV shows and how and how many how many storylines from comics have been adapted into the TV. You know, the Arrowverse is is still network TV. Smallville is still network TV. Too many episodes a season. But fuck me, man, you can't say it's not like good and nostalgic and just good. Not I, even a good pleasure. A pleasure to watch, to watch. Catch up on the Flash right after we finish. We wrap this up. I, I started catching up on this see on season six and then obviously the story continues yeah. in season seven because of COVID they couldn't finish season six, so they just started season seven. I, I, it's I like it. Really good, and they're getting into some like pretty deep stuff and they're they've because like a lot of like people in Marvel there's in in DC sorry there's multiple versions of certain Miramax. villains like Captain Cold yeah. and you know Mirror Master and what have you and they're getting into that you know I want them to bring back Wally West and I'm hoping they do sometimes you because Kevin Lonsdale as Wally West is an awesome character or an awesome sort of performance uh, I think it's you know I think that I think DC's day is coming yeah I think, I I think God, Warner I Brothers needs to clean up house before that begins because uh the house of mouse is always in order and that's despite its dictatorship policies it does it doesn't ever have to deal well, with they, or rather we don't hear much about the internal conflicts as much yeah because you're right it's a dictatorship right it's top down it's you listen to yeah. us or you're fucked i think dc needs some of that too much democracy and i think that, that yeah dc dc needs some of that dc needs uh, you know, a little bit of tyranny in filmmaking is not so yes. bad. Just don't be like Justice. That's a great position to have. It's funny to me when I think about DC because I do go into these movies now. It's terrible for me to say so. I expect them to not be great, but I still have hope. Because recent history has shown that no Warner Brothers cannot be trusted. War Warner, like Aquaman and Wonder Woman were great. I think Man of mm -hmm. Steel was awesome, but most a lot of people don't. So we need to come. People are coming away from these movies now, or going into them expecting them to be bad, and that is fucking with. That's gonna fuck with reviews and fuck with like critics, and that's ultimately even before fans actually get their hands on them. That's gonna fuck with the uh, uh, with the the studio and then they're going to change the movie before it even comes out and then look at that they they get the movie the version they wanted and it's going to be it's, it's more well received yeah. it's a terrible cycle they need to just trust the filmmaker i've said and this so many times the, on the on the and characters. off the plot. trust the artist you've given them something to take care of trust them yeah you got like trust is a very important part like and trust us as the fans of dc that like we know what we like, you know why? Oh, crack a comic, right? 
that's the other thing just generally about dc like any dc comic could be made into a movie and it would be awesome not every not the same could be said yeah. for a marvel comic. yeah well that was it for our episode uh we'll be back with uh you know probably a better format in the coming weeks uh we'll be back when after shortly after the release of that, uh, yeah, episode three about yeah. of falcon and the winter soldier and uh all right uh you've been listening to the harmonica brothers variety show bye guys